Well, here we go again. We are in the book of Romans, and I'm currently going through a series called Know the Why. We're in Romans chapter 5 this morning, so if you'd open up your smartphone or your Bible, Romans 5, starting with verse 12, and the message title is From Ruin to Grace, From Ruin to Grace, and you'll understand the title as we continue in, our, in the message of the study of God's Word today. Starting with verse 12, it says, when Adam sinned, Sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not any law to break. Still everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit commandment of God as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol a representation of Christ who is yet to come. I just read Romans 5, 12, verse 12 through verse 14. And verse 12 describes mankind's ruin in just 19 words. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And, and the ruin that, that the Apostle Paul is describing here is, of course, the fall of Adam that we see recorded in Genesis chapters 2 and 3. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 it says, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it you will certainly die. And that was the, the edict or the mandate. We're using the word mandate a lot lately, right? Well that's what God said to Adam and Eve. You must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when it, you eat from that tree you'll certainly die. Unfortunately, they, meaning Adam and Eve, they sinned. And Genesis chapter 3, 6 through 7 gives us the result. Sin entered the world. And Paul emphasizes that everyone sinned here in Romans chapter 5. And so we have man's ruin. Everyone has sinned. That includes you and I. And that, that word sin is a verb, and it's in the aorist tense in the Greek, which signifies an action that's been completed. So it's, you might be thinking, well, I, I haven't sinned today, or I haven't sinned yet this morning, but what Paul is describing here is sin that's already been complete, that we're part of, and that's the sin in the garden, the fall of man. And the idea is that all of us have, have sinned in that simple, completed act of what Adam and Eve did in the book of Genesis. You know, Adam was out uh, hunting with his two sons, Cain and Abel, and they were having a good time hunting, but all of a sudden, Adam looked off into the distance with this kind of faraway look, and then he fell down to his knees, and he began to weep, and, and it, his son Abel came over to him, and he said, Dad, Dad, why, why are you looking off into the distance and now you're crying? And he says, well, see what I'm looking at over there? That's where, that's where I used to live. It's beautiful. It's perfect. That's where I used to live and until Mama ate us out of house and home. Well, listen, Eve sinned, but Adam finished that sin, and, and, and God held Adam and Eve responsible for that. In Romans 5, 12, we see that. And if you and I would have been there, we would have done the same thing in the garden. 
we would have sinned just like they did. It's not easy for you and I to accept that we're sinners because especially in, in our day and age, we have this, well, we have this attitude called me, me, me. It's a self-centered attitude. We all fight it, but it's something that runs rampant, uh, specifically in our nation, probably globally as well. We're self-centered, and we think about ourselves usually way too, too often. And so to identify ourselves as sinners is not an easy thing, and yet it's, it's a truthful thing. Let's be honest with ourselves. We're sinners. God's Word tells us we're sinners. And if you're really honest with yourself, uh, all you have to do is live with yourself for a few minutes and you'll realize that, that you're a sinner. Um, but it's our individualism that uh, we, we tend to spend too much time focused on. In, in Hebrew, the word Adam means mankind. Uh, uh, people in the in the Bible, during Bible times, they understood that the human race has a, a corporate solidarity to Adam. We're connected with Adam. There's a corporate solidarity. And this means that all mankind was present and sinned in Adam. A Adam was not uh, just a mere representative of, of uh, all mankind. Adam is mankind. That's the biblical definition of his name. He is mankind. And kind of a way, that's biblical thinking. But a way to think about that is to understand that that's biblical thinking. That's the biblical narrative. And, and more importantly, that's the truth. There's a true story about an individual, and it's not a good story. But in 1960, there were... Israeli undercover agents, and they or orchestrated the daring kidnapping of one of the world's worst Holocaust masterminds, Adolf Eichmann. And after capturing him in South America, where he was hiding out, they transported him to Israel to stand trial. Their prosecutors called a string of former concentration camp prisoners as, as witnesses. One was a small man named Yahil Dinur, who had miraculous, miraculously escaped death in Auschwitz. And on his day to testify, Dinur entered the courtroom and he stared at the man in the bulletproof glass, Adolf Eichmann. He was encapsulated in a bulletproof booth. The man who had murdered Deneur's friends personally executed a number of Jews and presided over the slaughter of millions more. As the eyes of the two men met, can you imagine? Victim and murderous tyrant, the courtroom fell silent. Filled with the tension of that confrontation, but no one was prepared for what happened next. Yehiel Denur began to shout and sob, collapsing to the floor. Was he overcome with hatred by the horrifying memories, by the evil incarnate in Eichmann's face? No. As he later explained in a 60-minute interview, it was Eichmann 
it was because Eichmann was not this demonic personification of, of evil that Denur had expected. Rather, he was just an ordinary man, just like anyone else. And, and in that one instant, Denur came to a stunning realization, listen to this, that sin and evil are the human condition. Here's what Denur said in that 60-minute interview. He said, I was afraid about myself. I saw that I'm capable to do this, exactly like he. And Mike Wallace turned to the camera at that moment, and he asked the question, how was it possible for a man to act as Eichmann acted? Was he a monster? Was he a madman? Or was he perhaps something even more terrifying? Was he normal? Denor's shocking conclusion, Eichmann is in all of us. That's a graphic illustration, maybe even to the extreme, but it makes the point that we're all sinners. We're capable of doing horrific things. The last phrase in verse 14 tells us that, that Adam was a pattern or a type, the Greek word tupos, of him who is yet to come. And so we have a rescuer. Our ruin was in Adam and Eve, their sin in the garden, sin entered. And that's why, to answer the question, why does God allow evil things? Listen, we live in a world that's riddled with sin because of what Adam and Eve did. And we would have done the same thing. But we have a rescuer. He's him who's yet to come. And Romans chapter 5, verse 15, I'll pick up, it says, but there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Verse 16, it says, and the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. Let me read that again, verse 16. It says, the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the result of Adam's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to are being made right with God even though we're guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, verse 17, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's grace, uh, wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. You see, our rescue came by way of Christ. Our ruin came by way of sin that entered through Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. But our rescue came by way of Christ. And we can never commit the sacrilege of, of seeing the first and second Adam. Jesus is known as the second Adam as perfectly parallel. They're not parallel at all. 
Adam's one transgression brought death. Jesus' death brought forgiveness for thousands of transgressions. Let me say that again. Adam's one transgression brought death to all mankind. Jesus' death brought forgiveness for thousands of transgressors. That's amazing. Now, Christ gives to man far more than he lost in Adam. We lost everything. That's why we sweat. That's why we deal with pestilence and weeds and work hard. Listen, Christ gives us far more than we've lost in Adam. We have amazing grace. God's amazing grace. Look at verse 18 of Romans chapter 5. Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and a new life for everyone because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. That's you and I. That's everybody. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. This is an idea, a concept that people can't embrace. The concept that we're sinners. The idea that we all have sin. But it's not really a concept or an idea. It's truth. And this is biblical truth. This is Christian orthodoxy that we are born into sin. We have sin. And at that point in life, when you are of age of accountability, where you can decide for yourself, are you going to follow Jesus or reject Jesus? It's at that moment that eternity's doors are open to you. Now listen, when you make that decision and acknowledge Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God gives you forgiveness of sin. That's the beautiful grace. That's the amazing grace and gives you a heavenly home. You don't have to fear death. You have victory over sin and death. That's the beauty of it. But if you reject Christ, you've made a decision not to serve Christ. You'll have eternal life, but not with God in heaven. You'll spend eternity in hell. That's the bad news. The good news is the alternative, spending eternity in heaven, living your best life here on earth, having victory and triumph. The word that Paul uses is triumph, right here in the here and now, living for the Lord, experiencing God's best, the abundant life, experiencing God's peace and joy. It's an amazing thing. And so Paul takes these biblical truths and he's communicating to the believers in Rome that are toying with the idea of embracing ceremony and tradition over God's grace, peace, joy, and love. And so we're doing the same thing today many times. We, we put in place of a relationship with Jesus a relationship with things or a relationship with the dynamics of ceremony and tradition. And we put that at a higher plane than we do our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and Paul communicates here that we have a God who loves us, who's rescued us. God has literally rescued you. Now, I want you to think about something here. Can you imagine being out on the ocean? I remember years ago, I went with a group of guys. We went on a half-day fishing trip off the coast, the Pacific coast. And we were hoping to get into a school of tuna. And some of the guys were catching fish, but uh, 
within some relatively short period of time, the ocean started getting rough. And there were big swells. And we were rocking and rolling out there on this fishing boat. And, and as you would expect, people were getting sick. Well, over the intercom, the captain of the ship made an announcement. We, I can give you a rain check. We can go back to shore, and you can come out at any time. Uh, or do you, would you prefer to stay out? It may calm down. It may get worse. And, and I wanted to stay out. I wasn't getting sick. My friends were getting sick, uh, but I wanted to stay out and continue fishing. But the majority of people wanted to go back to shore, and, and they did. They went back to shore, and we got our rain checks and whatnot. But can you imagine if we would have stayed out? And, and, and God forbid it would get so rough that we'd capsize and we're out there, and, and another rescue ship, the Coast Guard, would come and throw a life one of those round things. What are those called? It's not a life raft, but a, a round thing, okay? A life lifesaver. And, and can you imagine not grabbing onto that? And you're kind of like a buoy. You're going up and down in the ocean. The, the swells are going over your head, and you're having a hard time st uh, staying above the water line, and you're gasping for air, and you're taking in water. But you won't reach out, and you won't grab that life preserver, that's been thrown to you. That's what God's done for you in sending His Son, Jesus. He's rescued you. But He's not going to force you to grab on to Jesus and, and save your life. God loves you, but He's not going to enforce that love on you. He's not going to force you. you. You're not a robot. You're not a clone. You have to make that choice to invite Jesus to be who He is, Lord and Savior of your life. So our rescue came by way of Christ. And so many people are living their life like they're out in the ocean, and God's provided safety, uh, provision, rescue, and yet they refuse to, to take Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I've been at the bedside of, of many people who have taken their last breath, and I've had the honor and the privilege to, to minister to them and, and comfort them and pray with them. I'll, I'll never forget a visit to Riverside General Hospital. I was called uh, to go visit this woman. She was 92 years old. The family was very concerned that she wouldn't make it through the day. But even more so, they were more concerned with her spiritual uh, life. They weren't certain that she was saved. They weren't certain that, that this 92-year-old grandmother had a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'll never forget this visit. I went into her room and just very clearly uh, began to tell her how much God loves her, gave her the plan of salva salvation that Jesus came and died for her sins and has given her uh, the availability to have forgiveness and eternal life. And I just walked through, very simply, the plan of salvation. This woman accepted Christ, 92 years old, on her deathbed. She accepted Jesus Christ. I'll never forget that. And the reason that's etched into my mind and in my heart is because on the way home, I'm on the freeway, heading home, I get a call from a family member that she had passed away 15 minutes after accepting Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. Boy, 
Talk about rescue. Christ is our rescue. Don't wait till you're on your deathbed. Accept Jesus Christ. Now, today's the day for salvation. Jesus is our rescue. Now, Romans 5, 18 through 19, it says, Yes, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. What is that one act? What is that one act of righteousness that Christ performed? Well, it's the fact that He died on the cross and He rose from the grave. He took on all of our sin. And that and that alone allows us to have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. Because one person disobeyed God, Adam, many became sitter, sinners, that's all of us. But because one other person, that's Jesus, obeyed God, many will be made righteous. And that's those who become born again, except Christ. So Adam, in disobedience, he, he gr grasped for equality with God. Remember the whole scenario narrative in the garden. Satan came in like a serpent and, and influenced Adam and Eve and says, don't you want to know everything like God? In other words, don't you want to be like God? And so that's the same fall that Satan had. He wanted to make himself to be like God or even higher than God. And that's why he got kicked out of heaven. Well, Adam and Eve disobeyed because they tried to embrace that temptation to have equality with God. But Christ in obedience, as Paul emphatically states, and I'll read out of Philippians chapter 2. I mean, Philippians 2, verses 6 through 11. Listen to this. Though he was God, talking about Jesus, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave, and he was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, we're talking about Jesus here. Paul is talking about the incarnation of Christ. Therefore, in verse 9, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow, every tongue confess in heaven on earth and under earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. Listen, there's going to be a day. There's going to be a day. I don't know when it's coming, but it, for some of you it may be today, but there's going to be a day You'll stand before the Lord. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Now, not every confession will be a confession of Jesus being Lord, but every knee. In other words, every single person on this planet at one point in time will stand before the Lord. Those who have accepted Christ, those who are born again followers of Jesus Christ will spend eternity in heaven. But everyone's going to stand before the Lord. And there's going to be those who rejected Christ that will not spend eternity in heaven. Paul describes in Philippians 2, 6 through 11, just the stature of Jesus. I mean, the creator of the heavens and the earth becoming a man. Think about it. But he did that on our behalf to connect us with God. So we see on one hand, the greatness of our ruin through Adam's sin and through our solidarity with that, that connection we have. But in Christ, what Christ has done far exceeds 
in the rescue that he's provided. And, and, and what it ultimately means for you and I as followers of Jesus Christ is that we reign, or the word that Paul uses in our text this morning, we triumph. Are you triumphing? Are you walking in victory? Did you know you can walk in victory when you walk with the Lord? Are you walking with the Lord? Well, that's God's promise. Look what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 20, and I'm going to close with this. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Giving us eternal life and a right standing through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you have a right standing before God in Jesus Christ? Where are you at? Think about it. Where are you at right now in your relationship? Or do you have a relationship with Jesus? And I'm talking about something much bigger than just mental assent. It's more than just saying, yeah, I believe there's a God. And when I'm done having my fun and doing my thing, I'll get right with the Lord. Well, you don't know how much time you have. None of us do. Today's the day to be in right standing with God. I, I think we would all benefit embracing a stature and an attitude of humility. When you think about the fact that we're sinners, and we're sinners because of what Adam and Eve did, when you embrace that and just come to terms with that truth, you'll realize at that moment you need a Savior. You need to be saved and rescued from what happens because of sin. Sin brings death. God, through Christ, brings life. Are you living right now? Are you living life? I'm, I'm not talking about just getting through life. I'm not talking about just surviving. Are you living the abundant life? Do you have joy and peace? Do you have the security in your heart and in your mind that you know you're going to spend eternity with God in heaven? If you don't have that security, if you don't have that peace, that joy that only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ, then I want to encourage you right now to open the door of your heart to Jesus. Allow Him to come in and take full control of your life. Would you pray to receive Christ right now? One of the most important components of receiving Christ is first recognizing that you need a Savior. Recognizing that you're a sinner and repenting of your sins. That's a component that needs to be identified. And so what I would like to do right now is give you an op opportunity to make things right with God. Wherever you're at, would you pray this prayer? And when we pray this prayer, we're going to identify our sin, repent of our sin, and invite Jesus to be our Lord and Savior.
Would you do that right now? If you've never done that, you need to do that right now. And maybe you have, but you're not walking with the Lord in the way that you should. Rededicate your life to the Lord right now. Pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin. Thank you for your forgiveness. Dear Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. I now ask you to be my Lord and Savior. I rededicate my life to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, if you prayed that prayer of inviting Christ to be your Lord and Savior, maybe the first time you've ever prayed that prayer, or you rededicated your life to the Lord this morning, I want to be the first to congratulate you to the family of God. And I want to encourage you in your spiritual journey, your walk with the Lord. It's important that you grow and, and um, feed into that spiritual new man that you have by reading the Word, praying, getting involved in ministry, getting involved in the local church, staying involved here at Eagle Ridge Church. And so one of the ways that you can stay connected with me is if you prayed to receive Christ or rededicated your life to the Lord, would you text the word pray to the number you see on your screen right now? I want to stay connected with you. And if you need a Bible, I'm going to find out if you need a Bible. I have a New Believer's Bible I would love to send to you. Well, listen, don't go anywhere. We're going to worship the Lord, and I look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining us.